Well, welcome. We've got a great uh, Sunday as we begin a brand new collection of uh, sermons that we are entitling Uncovered as we begin to explore uh, the heart of humanity. And so we're glad you are tuning in today. Uh, Genesis chapter 3. We're going to go back to the very beginning today. Genesis chapter 3 is where we're going to start as we look at the ways God intended for human relationships to go and go 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 forward and so Genesis 3 starting in verse 1 this is what uh, this is what the word says it says now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made and he said to the woman did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden then the woman said to the serpent we may eat from uh, fruit from the trees in the garden but God did say you must not eat Fruit from, turn the page for those of you that are old school, having some printed. You cannot eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. That's not exactly what God said. God did say don't eat from it, but he never said don't touch it. And I think that's an important thing to note. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you can be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good food, pleasing to the eye, and I mean, desirable for gaining wisdom, it made common sense to her to decide, I'm going to take and eat it. She also gave some to her husband, who was also right next to her, and he ate it too. I heard a preacher say one time, this is why women can't decide where to eat after church, because the last time they made the decision, all hell broke loose. <laughs> he gave some to her husband, and she too ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open. Somebody say open. Both of their eyes were open, and they realized they were naked. In the Greek, that means naked. So they sewed some fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Have you ever tried to fix a problem for yourself? Ever tried to use your own efforts and energies and wisdom and intellect to fix a problem for yourself? Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where, where are you, where are you? Friends, have you ever uh, been frustrated by a problem? And... This thing, you knew it had a solution. Surely there was an answer somewhere, but you were frustrated by it. And then you called a friend over. And uh, they immediately were able to solve the problem that you couldn't solve for like days. And you're like, oh, I love you and I hate you all at the same time. What a blessing of friendship. Here's, here's the, something that I've come to realize, and I think we would all probably agree. You cannot fix a problem you don't know exists. At the same time, you can't fix a problem that you are unwilling to see. In every relationship that we have, there we are. 
In every good relationship, you're in the middle of it. In every broken relationship that you've experienced, you're in the middle of it. In every job that you've had, whether it was the best job or a really tense work environment, there's a common denominator in both workplaces. There you are. We are in the middle of all of the relationships because we can't be in a relationship if we are not there. And until we recognize that maybe, just maybe, there are some things that we're not seeing about us. Maybe, just maybe, there are some things that we decided to cover up. Until we're willing to allow God to uncover the realities of our heart, we might struggle in these relationships. Over the next three and three weeks from this week, so this, this collection is going to be four weeks long. And each week, we're going to talk about a different component of our hearts. Uh, next week, I'm going to talk specifically to men and about men. And reveal some of the truths of how God created your heart. That through life, we cover up. But I think God wants us to uncover so that we can have healthy relationships in every area of our life. In the third week, we're going to talk to the ladies. And we're going to talk about your heart. We're going to talk about uh, the female heart, how God made women in his image too, and how in our own lives and in our own hearts there are things that we cover up to protect ourselves that when we can unveil, if we can uncover, maybe just maybe God can fully pursue us and we can experience the love and the adoration that he designed for us to be experienced. And in the final week, we're really going to talk about the friend zone. How the reality is many of us end up in a friend zone or many of us put people in a friend zone that don't need to be in a friend zone and we don't know how to fix that. And we're going to talk a little bit about relational intelligence. So over the next few weeks as we launching our connect groups and we're encouraging you to take a step to get into community, we're going to cover and talk about our heart, the heart of humanity, what's at the heart of so much of our lives and we're going to explore it together and see what God's word has to say and I'm hoping to give you some practical tools to help you do relationships better. Proverbs 4:23 says this, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Somebody in the chat put like the biggest heart you can find. Guard your heart. Why? Because from your heart springs the issues of life. One verse says, spring all of your life. In other words, your life might have some issues. Your neighbor, I'm sure you admit, they got some issues. Some of you have been waiting to tell your neighbor you got issues for a little while. We're not going to give you that opportunity today. I'll do it for you. You got issues. Some issues are good and some issues are bad. And it all flows from our heart. All of our lives, all of the things connected to it, it all flows from our heart. Heart. And this is why it's important to realize that God is after your heart. God wants to interact, interrupt, intervene, recreate, and reestablish your heart. It's something that happens in the moment of salvation. See, if you go back to the very beginning where God created everything. In the beginning you read in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 that, that God created everything. He created the birds and he created this and he created the land and the light. and All of these things he created. He says, oh, it's good. 
Oh, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then he created man in his own image and gave him the ability to think and to reason and to make decisions and have authority and dominion and, and steward the world. And then he said, it's good, but it's not so good. I need to make a helper for him. And then God created woman and he breathed into both of them his life and they became living beings. And, and, and in this garden, it was a garden of perfection and wonder and beauty. And, and they were literally walking around with zero clothes on and they felt no shame from it. It was like it, it was just no, normal in that way. They, they didn't have these things in their heart that made them feel like they need to walk around covering up. And, and that's both literal and it's also a great metaphor for our lives. How many of us live in this place and what was so cool, I, I think, is, is interesting is that we read in the text today that after they ate from the tree and all of a sudden their eyes were opened and sin started and they disobeyed God and, and they transgressed against his commandments. All of a sudden in this moment, it seemed as if it was a normal thing for God to do to come and walk in the garden with them. I want you to think about it just for a minute. They didn't have a Bible. They, they didn't have those things. They, they had a garden. That God created. They had personal interaction with God. They, they, they didn't have problems. They didn't have stress. They didn't have worries. There wasn't anxiety. There was no insecurities. There was no failure. There was no fear. There was none of those things. Everything was perfect and at ease as it should be. And God would walk and talk with them every day. They had this fellowship with God. Listen, God's desire for you is to walk in intimacy with him. God wants you to walk in unbroken fellowship with him. That was how God intended to interact with humanity from the very beginning of time. They didn't know good and evil. They only knew God. In one of our connect groups that we have, it's called Freedom. And we unpack uh, for three weeks this early posture, and we talk about the difference of the two trees, and we talk about how our, our, our own brokenness begins to, to creep in, and how when we pursue our own knowledge, or we pursue knowledge of both good and evil, and we eat from that tree in our lives, we fall into a pattern of trying to perform for God. And it's not the tree we were supposed to be eating from. There was another tree in the garden. It was the tree of life, and that's the tree we want to eat from. And that's the tree we can eat from when our faith and our proper approach to God is in the right place. I want to encourage you, if you've never been through the freedom group, I want to challenge you. That's a great group to give a try to. Maybe you've never attended a connect group at all. You need to attend. Start with, one of, start with that group. Why? Because it helps you walk through and deal with some of your past stuff so that you are now free to fully engage and interact with God in a personal way because God intended to walk with you personally. You can sign up on the Central Hub. It's a great group. It's going to go for about 13 weeks, and then it's over. No long-term commitments, no I do's, none of that. It's just, hey, we're going to go for 13 weeks, and then the group is done, and you get to find another group. It's a great first taste at what it looks like to be in community. But God intended for us to walk in intimacy with him. Now, let me define this word intimacy before we get uh, going off the rails here. When we say intimacy, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about a close, familiar, and a usually affectionate or loving personal relationship with another person or group. A close association with 
or detailed knowledge or deep understanding of a place, a subject, or even a period of history. When we talk about having an intimate relationship with God, we're talking about having a transparent relationship with God. I want you to, to, to think about intimacy in, the, in these terms. Intimacy simply means this. Into me, you can see. Into my heart, you can see. God, into my life, you can see. God, into my soul, Lord, you can see. Into my thoughts, God, you can see. Into who I am for real. On a Saturday night, all by myself. That's who I, into me, God, you get to see that person. Just not the person I am on Sunday, but into me, God, you get to see. And that's the kind of relationship God wants to have with you. That intimate, into me, you can see, God. That kind of relationship. In fact, Jesus himself modeled this kind of relationship. Because here's, here's, what, here's what I want you to know about relationships. Your relationship with God impacts your relationship with other people. So when your relationship with God is healthy, you have a better chance of being healthy in your relationships with other people. Why? Because a healthy relationship with God is an intimate relationship where he begins to deal with your heart. And when your heart and your spirit become healthy, you can interact with humanity in a healthy way. Jesus modeled this in John 5, 19. He said, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son of Man can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus was saying, my relationship with God is a, is a I see my Father do it, I do it. If God said to do it, I'm going to do it. In John 14, 31, he says, but... But he has come that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Jesus was saying, my relationship with my Father is impacting how I live and move and interact with you on this earth. Why? Because your relationship with God impacts your relationships with other people. So God wants you to walk in intimacy with him. That's his desire. But not only does our walk with God impact our walk and our relationship with people, when you think about this in reverse, your relationship with people impacts our, your relationship with God. How you relate to other people will impact how you relate to God. I can't tell you the number of times people have had a hard time struggling with this idea that God is our Father and He is good. Why? Because in their world, in their life, they never experienced a good Father on the earth. These two things don't seem to compute well. And that's why we do classes uh, and have connect groups like Freedom. To help you learn who your Heavenly Father really is. And to help you find some healing from those pains. Jesus said it like this. In Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15, he said, If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, don't miss this, your heavenly Father will not forgive you your sins. So if you stay ticked off at other people, you are blocking your ability to relate properly with God because something is amiss in your own heart. Why? Because your relationship with other people actually impacts your relationship with God. And your relationship with God impacts your relationship with other people. 
And at the end of the day, what God is really after when it comes to your heart, when it comes to having an uncovered heart, God wants to have an into me, you get to see God relationship where you get to walk and talk and you're honest and you're authentic and you are before the Lord walking with him. God wants to walk with you. He wants to walk with you. But there are a few enemies to this kind of intimacy that God created. See, God created Adam and Eve in a way that they could have intimacy and walk and talk. But there's an enemy to our intimacy. And the enemy to intimacy in any relationship, in any friendship, and especially your relationship with God, the enemy to intimacy is your insecurity. The, the enemy to your ability to have a flourishing, deep, true, rich connection with God is your own insecurity. It becomes the enemy to your, to your intimacy. Look, look back at the story in Genesis 3, verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized, ah! they're naked. This is a problem. This isn't good. All of a sudden, I'm feeling insecure, and let's go cover it up. And they begin to cover up, and then they hid themselves. It wasn't just a physical thing. They just went and they hid because they heard God coming. They're like, oh, no, the one thing God said not to do, we did. And they hid. I wonder how many of you are living your life hiding from God. Hiding from God, afraid to even walk into a church, afraid to watch online. Because you're like, oh, the internet's going to break or lightning is going to strike the house of God. If I ever step foot in a church, it's all going to burn and that's going to be a problem. I wonder how many of us are living with a sense of shame. And so we put on a good face rather than allow God to get to know the real us. Allow people to get to know the real us. Insecurity is our, is our enemy. Now, before you get to the point where you're like, Pastor, I, I'm a man. I don't, I don't deal with insecurity. <laughs> Hold on. Insecurity is rarely seen as insecurity. Insecurity is a root issue, but it shows up with different fruit. So you might be like, I'm not insecure. I'm a man. I, I got it all together. The problem is insecurity is a root problem, and the fruit looks different. It can look like envy, wanting something that God hasn't given you. You envy of somebody else's relationship, envy of somebody else's success, envious of somebody else's good grades, envious of their athletic ability, and you live with this sense of envy, and what it really is is insecurity that you've never dealt with, and it shows up as envy. Or, or it looks like anger. Kids do something stupid, and it shows up as anger. They're acting out in Walmart, and all it's taken everything in you not to send them back to their maker. And you are fuming. You're not really mad that they're breaking the commands and not obeying. What you actually are is embarrassed, and you're insecure about it, and it's showing up as anger. And you can't control them! So you yell louder, and it's just insecurity showing up as anger. Insecurity shows up as competitiveness, always trying to one-up and always having a competitiveness to something else where it's never good enough, and all you really are is trying to earn the approval of something and someone because it's an insecure root in your heart. Insecurity shows up as withdrawal. 
relationships that you used to have, you start pulling away from, maybe because of shame, maybe your connect group ha- leader has been texting you, and you're like, I'm not returning that text, nope, 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 not going to do it, you just send the call to, to voicemail, you're ignoring the emails, you're ignoring the phone calls, you see the person in Walmart, you ignore them, because you are withdrawing from a relationship because there's an insecurity, maybe there was some rejection between you and your spouse, and, and you are giving them the silent treatment until they figure out what they did, what happened, You've been rejected and you feel it twinged on the insecurity vein in your heart and now you've withdrawn. Rather than coming together and allowing them to see into you and being true, you have now withdrawn yourself. So insecurity doesn't show up as insecurity, it shows up as other things like jealousy and clinginess, possessiveness. It's mine. You can't have it. Young people, this is what it looks like with you and your siblings. They get more fries. They get a bigger burger. They got a phone. You didn't get a burger. You didn't get the phone. They got the phone. Right? Like all of a sudden it's this competitive, no, it's mine. I've got to have this. You've got to treat me this way. And it's, it's not fair this and it's not fair that. And it's really just a possessiveness because insecurity has been touched. Something has touched the nerve. And that nerve is insecurity. Control. Or like in our passage, you just start passing blame. Well, well, God, it wasn't my fault. It was this woman you gave me. She's a seductress. It's all her fault. It wasn't my fault, Lord. It was this snake. This snake. If you would get rid of these snakes, it wouldn't be a problem, God. You put this right light and we just pass blame. Why? Because we're insecure. And insecurity is the enemy to the intimacy that you need with God. Your insecurity is is when you give authority or dominance to your enemy. And most of the time, your enemy is your inner me. Most of the time, what we call the enemy is just simply your inner me. It's just your inner me. Insecurity is, is defined this way in the dictionary. A lack of confidence. A lack of assurance. self self-doubt i don't feel like i'm measuring up i don't feel like i'm doing good i'm getting angry and i'm doing this and so we overcompensate we cover up and we conceal and today god is wanting to uncover the things that you have covered with and say let's deal with the insecurity today let's deal with that nerve that keeps getting touched that shows up as anger that shows up as buying impulsively let's deal with that thing of insecurity that shows up as control and 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 resentment and jealousy and possessiveness and unwilling to take blame but always passing the blame insecurity is giving dominance to your inner me that enemy insecurity always will get you to cover up but intimacy is always Friends, God wants to have an intimate relationship with you. What is it you're covering up hoping God doesn't see? What is it you're covering up hoping God doesn't, God, we can talk about anything, but we're not talking about this. That's not really my problem, God, those are genetics. I can't help it. This is how I grew up. Wrong. Wrong. All of your life's issues flow from your heart, not just from your DNA. Not just from your personality, the roots in your heart. You need to experience freedom. Have I said it yet? Some of you need to sign up for the Freedom Connect group. One more shameless plug. I'm not worried, Gary. I'm going to keep doing it. 
Because some of you are so bound and so covered up and so, so much hiding in things you can't actually relate to God personally. And there's nothing more God wants than to have a real relationship with you. And the enemy of intimacy is always your insecurities. Sometimes when my wife and I, we're, 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 we're in a season where we know we're not really connecting. You ever, like, it's just little things and just like misfiring and you get, you get short with each other and you get frustrated at each other. It's normally not an issue, but it is an issue today. And you're like, what is happening? Most of the time what I found with relationships, but especially with ours, when that is the case, what we're really doing is we just haven't really connected. We need to go for a walk and talk for a little bit and just talk. What has God been saying to you? What have you been praying about? What has God been doing? See, because you are a spirit. You, you have a soul and you live in a body. And when you connect, especially with a spouse, if there's not this intimacy, this into me, you see connection where you feel like it's alive and it's thriving. Most of the time, it's because your relationship with God is off kilter. And many times what I'll tell couples to do, when, when they love each other, there's just little things. There's nothing like, like gross sin. There hasn't been things that, that have really uh, created huge, huge chasms and pain. I'll tell, I'll tell couples, this is what you need to do. You need to start a Bible reading plan with each other and talk about it multiple times in the week. Just talk about what you read in scripture. Why? Because you are now sharing something intimate about your relationship with God that unless you were to share it would always be covered up and concealed. But the very fact that you're talking about God's word together opens your heart up and allows them to see into you. And in so doing creates a stronger connection of intimacy. A stronger connection of understanding, empathy. Maybe you've been tense in your relationship with your spouse in this season, your significant other. Can I just challenge you? Start a Bible reading plan together and talk about it. Why? Because you're allowing them to see into your heart and your relationship with God in a way that allows the connection together to flourish. Insecurity is this lack of confidence and assurance. It's self-doubt, and it's, it is the enemy to having an intimate, true, authentic relationship with God. All God wants, but not all, but the core of what he wants, the reason he created the world was to have fellowship with you and me. God wants to go for a walk in life with you. This is why we call it a walk of faith. And the enemy to that walk, the enemy to that intimacy with God is your insecurities. In, in Romans 7, we get a glimpse of what I believe to be uh, an honest, transparent moment into the heart of the Apostle Paul. Where he talks about, man, these things that sin has this dominion and I'm sinning and I'm doing the wrong thing. And sin causes you to cover up rather than to be intimate and it gets in the way and, and I'm covering up. And he, and he says something, he says, oh, wretched man that I am. And we get a glimpse into how the frailty and this insecurity, because in that moment, Paul was acknowledging, I don't feel secure in the righteousness and the forgiveness and the life that Christ purchased for me. It happens to all of us. But he says, oh, but thanks be to God. Oh, but thanks be to God. Oh, 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 wretched man that I am. And it's this understanding. And then he goes right in into chapter 8 in Romans where he talks about, no, no, no. There is no longer condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Instead, I've been made righteous because of what Jesus did. 
And he's making this honest moment of confession, of acknowledgement of his own insecurities, but his insecurities were overcome by the confidence and security of who he knew Christ was. You might be sitting there, Pastor, okay, great, I know I've got insecurities, I've got issues, I've got intimacy issues with God and apparently everybody else. How do I fix this problem? How do I get back to that moment? If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Don't miss this. This is the whole point today. Real practical. Your confession is how you arrest your insecurities and begin to restore intimacy. Your confession. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean three things. Your confession. Confession in Scripture is when you admit that you messed up. You admit that you have sinned. You confess your sin. Psalm 51, Paul, uh, David's writing, he says, Lord, give me a broken and a contrite heart. Restore to me, God, the joy of my salvation. 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. Confession is admitting that you've sinned. It's a contrite heart. Confession is unburdening your soul. Have you ever shared something with a friend and it just felt good to get it off your chest? Something that you've been carrying, a burden, a weight, a concern? Psalms 55 and 1 Peter 5 tell us to cast all of your cares to God. In other words, go to God and say, God, this is really hard right now. What are you doing? You're being intimate and allowing God to see the reality of what's going on. You're being honest. You're not being uh, you're not having a lack of faith. You're being honest with God. And he says, I want you to unburden your soul. I want you to confess and, and bring and cast your cares, your worries, your anxieties to the Lord. God, I'm concerned about my kids and this whole school year. And I don't know what's going on, but God, I'm going to give this to you. Lord, I don't know what's happening in our world right now. It is broken and it is stressful. And I don't know, God, I'm giving this to you. You, God, I'm overwhelmed and overworked and I'm tired and I'm worn out. God, you know what, though? I'm going to give this to you. You Confession is when you admit your sin, when you unburden your soul. And confession is when you strengthen your own spirit. Confession is when you confess your faith. When you confess the truths and promises of God, you begin to build and establish yourself up. You strengthen your, Ephesians 4 says to be built up on your inner man by watching the words that come out of your mouth. When you confess, you are declaring the truths of who God says that you are, of what he's done for you, of the life that God has called you to, of his righteousness. You're not just confessing and admitting your sin. That's part of it. It's not just unburdening yourself. With your cares, that's part of it. But there's another part of confession where you speak and declare and speak aloud and you confess what God's word says. And your spirit begins to be strengthened. It strengthens your faith. And when you make confession, whether it's of sin or unburdening your soul or confessing God's promises, and it strengthens your spirit. You know what happens? You begin to arrest the voice of insecurity, and it's silenced because the louder voice is the voice of God, the voice of his truth, the voice of his word. You're arresting it, and it begins to restore intimacy. Listen, God covers our sinfulness with his grace and his mercy. He covers it with his grace and his mercy, and it restores 
the intimacy that we need with him. It's a work that God does. I, I want you to grab the communion elements for me. And I want you just to, to hold on to them. If you need to pre-open them, pre-open them. If you're at home, just go grab them real quick. And Because I, I, I want you to think about something before we take, before we take these elements. We're talking about living with an uncovered heart today. We're talking about living in a way and knowing that God's desire is to have an intimate walk of faith with us. And the one thing, the biggest hurdle to often our intimacy with him is this insecurity. And this insecurity is always a result of sin. It's always a result of, of, of these things where we haven't come clean before the Lord, where, where relationship with God hasn't been fixed, where it's not been reestablished, where there's something that separates us in a moment. But God wants to come and, and cover our sinfulness with his grace and his mercy. He wants to cover our insecurities with his goodness. And he begins to restore the intimacy that we need. Hebrews 9, verse 22 says this, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything, all the transgressions, all of the insecurities, all of the brokenness, all of the frailty, all of the sin, everything has to be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Adam and Eve did exactly what you and I do. We realize that we sinned, we messed up. There's this insecurity that shows up and we're like, oh, oh, this isn't good. And we cover it up and we try to fix it with our own. The problem is fig leaf covering up doesn't do the trick. It doesn't work. Because unless there's blood that's shed, there is no forgiveness. There is no rest restoration of relationships. Romans 8, 37, 39 says this, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we come to the table, we are recognizing that Jesus shed his blood on the cross cover up, and to heal, and to remove the insecurity, and to give you permission to have a restored, intimate, unbroken relationship with God Almighty. That's where we have to start, friends. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. See, when Adam and Eve, when they disobeyed God, there was a curse that came on the earth. Sin showed up in the world that was good and perfect was now broken and tainted and began to deteriorate. Christ redeemed us, though, from the curse of the law. How? By becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to become sin for you and me so that we might become, don't miss this, the righteousness of God. That's a restored relationship. 
not sinners, begging for God to always permissively allow you to live in his sovereignty. It's his grace and his mercy and his work at the cross that says, no, you are now a righteous one. And you can confess that and hold on to that and cling to that truth. Cling to that truth. You are made the righteousness of God through Christ's work. Genesis 3.21 says this. Keep reading in the story. Then the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. They sinned. They realized they were naked. They tried to fix it themselves with fig leaves. But God said he went and he made animal skin fur coverings for them. Where did the animal come from? God made the first sacrifice to cover the sins of Adam and Eve and to create a foreshadowing of what would come when Jesus would come to the cross, lay down his life as a lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Why do we take communion? Because it reminds us that apart from God and the sacrifice of Jesus, I can do no good thing. But because Jesus lives in me, and I get to live in Jesus, I am righteous, I am holy, I am made clean, I am made new, and I can have an intimate walk with God. And I can live with an uncovered heart. Uncovering it in my own, because I'm covered in the blood and the righteousness of Jesus. Would you close your eyes? Here in this moment, before we take communion, if you've never given your life to Jesus, and you would say, I want to follow him. I've never asked him to forgive me. I've, I've, I've lived my own life. I've, I've been like Adam and Eve. I've been trying to, to fig leaf this thing together, and, and it's not working out for me. I, I, I'm away from God, but I want to return to him, and I want to create a relationship with him. In this moment, would you just pray a simple prayer in your heart? Say, Jesus, forgive me. Heal me, and I believe you are the son of God. You want to follow you. Before we take the elements, I want you to pause for a minute. Think about these verses that we just read. Think about the, the restoration of relationship God wants to have with you and with me. Think about how because of what Jesus did, we can have a restored intimacy with God. Just like he intended in the very beginning of time. Lord, we're so thankful for that. Lord, in this moment, if there are things we need to confess, we confess them. If there are things we need to unburden ourselves with, God, we, we give those cares to you and we confess those. And, and God, when we feel the insecurities are screaming to us, may in this moment we confess that it is your righteousness that makes us. And because of you, and because of Christ, nothing is impossible. And you give us the strength grateful for that. Friends, let's take the bread and remember his body. Now let's take the juice and remember his forgiveness. So Lord, here we are. 
washed clean, set right. And Lord, every time we drink the cup and we eat the bread, we are reminding ourselves of what you've done for us, making it possible to have a restored, intimate relationship with you. Draw us close this week, God. And when insecurity tries to scream, when shame tries to show up, when anger or control or all of these outworkings of insecurity, may we pause long enough to confess Confess your word, unburden ourselves with what's really concerning us, and even admit when we overstep a line, God. Find your grace and mercy in the time when we need it the most. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Turn your attention to the screen, please.